with the, the digital landscape, we have understood when you do a campaign digitally, it can have a global impact. However, each market is to have their individuality, their culture. We need to understand the consumer. What are the leverage, the drivers, because now in digital era, it's a lot about content and to have the right content that speaks to the local consumer. With working with influencers, it's going to be all about building trust, building awareness for the product, and also using those technologies to really show how that product is going to work for you. How I can make some collaborations, those icons, they can leave a footprint in the culture of the brand. That's, I think, more the challenge of the brands making sure that working with culture voices that we're going to get the relevance to a subject, getting, you know, to their voices, show the purpose of the brand. Hi, everyone. I'm Marjan Ovizi, the founder and CMO of MG Power, Global Influencer Market Agency, and this is our Influencer Marketing Uncovered podcast. Today, I'm here with Alex Velez, our campaign manager at Imaging Power. And together, again, we are very happy and delighted to be joined by the incredible Elvia Serra, General Manager for Biodam and Helena Hubston at L'Oreal. She has an incredible experience in the beauty, skincare, and luxury industry in the Latin America Nordic and European markets. In today's episode, we are going to have a great conversation over which are the key elements to achieve brand and audience growth in culturally different markets. Super excited to, be, to have Elvira today with us. Alex, how are you? I'm great, Myra. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited to be co-hosting today's episode with you and with our very special guest joining us from Paris. Elvira, welcome to Influencer Marketing Uncovered, MGM Powers Podcast. Thank you so much for accepting our invite. We're very happy to have you and to speak with you today. Uh, just want to kick off the podcast with uh, asking you to tell our audience more about yourself. Well, um, I'm Elvira Serra. I'm a general manager for Biotherm and Elena Risten in Europe. I'm Spanish, as you can hear. Um, I've been working in the beauty industry for almost my, all my career, almost uh, 20 years. Uh, most of my experience comes from uh, L'Oreal. And um, I'm, I started in Spain uh, as a young product manager. And uh, I moved from Spain to Paris, from Paris to Colombia, from Colombia to the Nordics. And now uh, I recently moved one year and a half ago uh, to Paris to join uh, this position. And I'm very glad, despite the fact that I cannot travel and to see my team in the countries, uh, due to the, um, to the context that is really challenging us in the sense like uh, what should be the future of this uh, industry, what we need to transform, what we need to look forward. Uh, and how is Paris treating you? So it's your first time leaving France? No, it's my second time. I'm super happy. My first kid is uh, Parisian. Look, amazing. It's so good. Like, I'm loving our, you know, our podcast guests because we are, we are bringing guests from all over the world. 
and it's super exciting uh, to have you here and to your introduction where you're saying that you have lived in so many different countries uh, throughout your career experience. So I'd love to start our conversation around that. And we more than ever, you know, with the, the digital landscape, we have understood that when you do a campaign digitally, it can have a global impact, right? Because before, before the era of digital, the era of influence marketing, marketing strategy, there were much more folks on creating campaigns that were focusing to certain markets, right? Since the globalization, this has changed a little bit because now, you know, if you create a campaign digitally in France, it can, you know, have a reach in other markets. However, that said, each market is to have their individuality, their culture, right? Uh, I would love uh, to start this conversation and asking you uh, about key elements uh, for brands where they're looking to reach new markets and consider to implement their digital first, you know, marketing strategy. What are the key to succeed and what is the key element to look into the culture of each market? Uh, it's, it's very funny because I did the transform digital transformation in Colombia, and uh, which is a quite not new subsidiary, but uh, we were quite far uh, from uh, the development of digital in Europe or in US or in uh, Asia. And the first thing you need to, to take into account is the maturity of the market, okay? And uh, what is the penetration of uh, digital? Uh, the second thing uh, is uh, you need to take into account is uh, teams. Are you teams or not upskilled or not? Uh, you need to onboard the, uh, your uh, management committee is the first things I did. And, and then you need to work on what is the setup for each brand, what is the setup that uh, every single um, like business unit in the, in the business need uh, in terms of digital. For example, L'Oreal, uh, we have four divisions. It's not the same setup that uh, a professional division needs that uh, mass market or a luxury division. And uh, another point is uh, you need to really to understand uh, the, the consumer, what are the leverage, the drivers, uh, because now in digital era, it's a lot of about content and to have the right content that speaks to, to, to the local consumer. And sometimes what is coming uh, from uh, the headquarters is not enough relevant uh, for the local consumer. And how to, what is the key secret to adapt a content to a local market? Like you mentioned about understand your target audience, understand, uh, you know, uh, the, the behavior of your consumers. But is there any other, you know, secret of like, how can you convert, you know, a content that's coming from a headquarters, for example, from global and making it too relevant to a certain market? Uh, my experience, I'm talking about um, my experience in the previous jobs, is uh, a lot about uh, a beta tasting. 
and uh, agility. When it comes to digital, you have the KPIs right away. It's not like a TV, a big TV campaign that you need to wait three, four weeks in order to have the results that you are, you are going to see immediately what is the reaction of, of the consumer. I remember when I was in the Nordics, it was super funny because the way to communicate to a Swedish, it was completely different uh, of the way to communicate to a Norwegian or a, or a Finnish. And uh, what uh, we, I used to do with my teams, okay, we set up like um, two, three, four kind of contents that, okay, we do a lot of research, uh, consumer research, et cetera, et cetera. And then we test and learn. And then you need to be super agile to say, to say okay, this is the one is engaging more with these kind of audiences and then to switch up, uh, all the investments to that one and, uh, and so on. That I know that for some companies, big companies, it's, it's not that easy because they are not that agile. That's why the niche runs are like eating all the digital ecosystem because since they don't have that many structure, they are quite agile. Uh, sometimes they arrive even faster than the big companies. And nowadays it's about uh, agility. Uh, it's not about to be 200% perfect. It's about like speak yeah. to the market to arrive the first. And the first uh, who arrived uh, is the one is going probably to gain three times uh, what the second or the third one is going to to gain in terms of market share or. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of what you said, uh, like testing out the market penetration in digital, how many people are using digital within that market and test and A-B testing to see what works is definitely key. We've seen it with the campaigns that we have run uh, in different markets, different things resonate, different creators perform better and different content uh, performs better with the audience. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. And uh, want to like moving into my question regarding this because obviously this is influencer marketing uncovered uh we're speaking about uh, creators and influencers just wanted to ask you in your opinion how important is working with uh creators and cultural voices within a center a certain country to help a brand penetrate that market and reach a new audience i think the best example is a search like the way that uh, uh, an Italian is searching about uh, healthcare products is completely different uh, uh, of the way that uh, someone in Germany uh, and the approach. Um, one thing is key when you set up your campaigns is choose your battles because at the end, nowadays, since all the companies are moving their investments to digital, yeah. uh, it's super crowded. It's like TV 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then since the amounts, they, they don't seem to be huge compared to a TV campaign, the people think like, uh, okay, it's enough to put a little bit here, a little bit there. And the end is a question of, okay, what is the entry ticket to your, in your market in order to, to be seen by a, by a consumer? And then to focus your, your investments on, uh, on one, two channels, three months uh, because sometimes we ended up be- being lost of uh, you know digital is super complex so when i started it was about tv print and uh, to set up a campaign it was like one month and a half to prepare it now you need to prepare a digital campaign six months in advance because you have a lot of things uh, to work on the first thing is content you need to adapt uh, the uh, 
the, as I would say, um, the wording. And then when you need to adapt the wording, you need to look into, okay, those, this is the frame, the guidelines you can receive. And then you need to understand like if this word for your country is relevant or not, or maybe this is another word that the people are searching more. Because it's a question of how you can emerge in the, in the, in the algorithm. It's a question of how to, you can emerge in this crowdy internet um, landscape that nowadays uh, we are all facing. Uh, Elvira, because your experience is uh, uh, in terms of product, it's, uh, it's around skincare, right? Uh, and uh, skincare industry, we saw the past year with the pandemic starting last year in March, that the skincare industry, we saw an incredible growth, right? in terms of revenue and consuming, you know, buying more skincare throughout this time because everyone is at home and they are much more investing in self-care, you know, and self-care meaning having a good skincare product to, to use as your home. Uh, and then with that, we saw the rise of social commerce, right? Because then we go back to the influencers where influencers were sharing you know, their daily routine, what they're doing at home throughout the pandemic, how they are treating their skin. And then it was when a lot of skincare brands starting seeing that growth coming, you know, because there was a combination of user-generated content, right, organic content, and a combination of, you know, paid content. Uh, and then now social commerce is something that is being, the English has been talking a lot about it. Uh, we'd love to, to type onto, into this and understand your prospect on the industry of clean beauty versus social commerce and influencers. Mm -hmm. At the end, it's a, a question of uh, what work as a brand in consumer funnel. Uh, it's awareness, it's consideration, it's uh, conversion. Uh, at the end, I think the last years we were really focused on consideration, on, 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 on advocacy and on, uh, really to engage with the end consumer. That's why I think what, the last 10 years, uh, the influencer marketing has changed uh, a lot. Uh, now I think in Europe, in, in the US, they started a little bit uh, earlier than us. They are moving to this um, business model like in Asia, where you have superstars, super big influencers that are selling uh, products. They are like advising products. I don't know if you know Tmall in China. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, it's, it's the live streams that they are engaging with a lot of millions of people. They are like maybe watching one hour to the explanation of the product. Uh, and then they are at the same time buying. I think it's coming because uh, we are covering a gap uh, that the people are missing. I think at the beginning of the crisis, it was because we were not able to go to shops. Now, depending on the country, you are able or you're not able. And uh, you need to find, when it comes to skincare, certain advice. Uh, you, so many brands that have put in place like e-consultation, master classes, et cetera, et cetera. And I think social commerce is a way as well to, to do the link between, okay, the brands 
this advice the, the, the people they, they were they are missing because I'm at home I don't know if it's just this uh, treatment is or not for me or I'm looking for this or that or that ingredient and I have read whatever and uh, the influencer are playing in a certain way this this role of advising to our end consumers and now since the rules has changed have changed because the people are, are scared to go to the shops yeah. or the shops are closed in some countries that uh, uh, is, is is it has been an um, a way to the brands to link to to the end consumer in a more genuine way. We, I, I'm I'm not surprised that uh, we are going to start to see like uh, beauty advisors that are going to become uh, influencers uh, in the next coming month. Huh? No, absolutely. When you mention about big celebrities, because I love that you mentioned about the funnel, right? So it's the consideration, awareness, and then potentially conversion. Uh, we, from our experience here at MG Power, uh, we have been creating strategies that are very um, thoughtful in terms of understanding, of course, first, what are the objectives, right? And then understand what the KPIs you wanted to achieve. But mostly, understand what the tier of influencers that we wanted to engage for the certain campaign. Because to your point, when it comes to celebrities, uh, from our results of our campaigns, celebrities, they bring us the awareness, right? The reach, but they're not really necessarily bring the conversion. We have seen more of the conversion coming from the mid tiers and the micro tier. And, uh, you know, like having that strategy based on tiers and understand what each individual can bring to you, to your brand as a result, more than ever, it's very important, right? Uh, when you see celebrities, do you, do, if they become a part of your campaign just for awareness or you still, or you still see conversion when you work with big celebrities? I think for me, for me, my experience is the celebrities are more for awareness because they are giving you rich. The thing is, um, at the end, it's like uh, it's the same as TV. Yeah. TV is giving you a lot of uh, rich, but uh, uh, not that much depending, okay, on the campaign, on the product, a lot of things. Uh, uh, conversion, like immediate conversion. Okay, sometimes you see a, a TV ad of a, a brand and then you go to the shop and then uh, the BA is able to sell uh, you another brand. Uh, at the end, you need to work on the, the different stages. And uh, influencer marketing, you need to really think about, okay, what is your, your, your goal? If your goal is to create awareness, okay, then go for someone who's going to give you reach and it's very like uh, close to your brand DNA. If you uh, work on trust, work on uh, consideration, uh, because the people see your TV, but the, then you realize shop on the go online, they might have another brand. Then it's like you need to work more on consideration. You need to work uh, with someone that is going to engage with them. And then big uh, influencers, why not? We have some, they, they engage with their um, audiences. But uh, my experience is like, it's more like, the second tier, the third tier, the micro influencers, they are engaging more with the audiences. 
But mm-hmm. from a business perspective, it's hard to, to build your panel because it's one-to-one. Uh, and when it comes to uh, conversion, uh, that depends on the brand and that depends a lot of on, on the consumers. For example, in Asia, it's like a huge uh, celebrities with a lot of uh, followers and reach. Uh, they are converting very well. In, in Europe, doesn't work that well because the people are more probably more critical uh, or um, I think uh, the way we look into the brand ambassadors or the big celebrities is different. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And like jumping into that momentum, how do you see then when you mention about, of course, like shops are now closed, right? You cannot have the same experience as what we used to have in the past where you can come in the shop and try on product and understand if that product is good for your skin or if it's match your skin color. So now the whole experience has changed. And we know that it's not just changed now, it's changed for the foreseeable future, right? Uh, so how do you see the new technologies, for example, AR and VR combined with the influencer marketing are going to take the industry off beauty? I, I think it's, it's not even the, the future, it's, a, it's the present. Huh? Um, we, I, we have seen a lot of brands, they, they have uh, uh, some products around it, uh, like five, six, even I'm thinking about L'Oreal, like six, seven years ago, because our main uh, like barrier to sell online was the, 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 to test the products. And first it was like more about, okay, how can I accelerate on makeup? And then because you need to test the color. Uh, and now it's, okay, how can I do a skincare diagnose in front of uh, my computer, which is even uh, more, uh, more difficult. And uh, the initial project was more about, okay, how can I accelerate on makeup? Because makeup, you need to try the colors in your skin uh, too really how I can create an experience uh, to the end consumer. I have not seen nothing on, I have not seen, you say anything, no? Yeah. Anything on fashion that I'm pretty sure uh, in the future we are going to have like a, a kind of a diagnose uh, tools where you can stand uh, up and then try uh, different uh, stuff uh, in order to see if it fits uh, to you or not. It's uh, quite, uh, uh, I think this is probably in the next coming uh, year we are going to see. Definitely. And I think that while that gets implemented and also uh, with working with influencers, it's going to be all about like building trust, like uh, building awareness for the product. And also, as uh, you mentioned, using those technologies to really show how that product is going to, uh, you know, work for you, how it's going to, uh, like, if it's a skincare product, how it's going to, like, impact your skin, etc. In terms of, like, uh, working with the, not the mega influencers, not the celebrities, but with the lower level influencers for conversion, do you believe that the, the better results come from actually resonating and actually feeling like you are more similar to that person and trusting that 
word of mouth, that suggestion, that recommendation for a product? Um, I truly believe. Huh? It's, um, and I think we are going to move from influencer market to more advocacy. Uh, and uh, that the, the brands are not only beauty industry. In all the industries, they are really try to stretch uh, relationships in the long term. Yeah. Uh, and with people, they can engage with their uh, own values. And uh, starting from a um, center of interest and then animating the, the, the population around it. Uh, because at the end, I'm consumer. And uh, you see a lot of uh, influencers showing products, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end, potentially, I'm not following those influencers because I... I don't uh, engage in in in, uh, in their like uh, positioning. I'm a surfer. I love surf, and probably I'm going to engage with uh, someone that is surfing uh, every weekend, and uh, this person is going to advise me uh, a sunscreen because uh, when you surf, uh, you you have tendency to burn your face very fast, rather than uh, to go to a beauty influencer. You know what I mean? It's like I think. We are going to move from this more marketing package of marketing influencer to, okay, what is the center of interest of your end consumer? And then from that, we are going to start to build uh, advocates around the brands in the long term. Yeah. And then uh, started to uh, build a relationship with our, our end consumers. If, for example, if you love um, travels, uh, probably... Uh, you are going to look into someone that uh, is traveling a lot and then suddenly he's recommending you a restaurant or a, a skincare product to travel, whatever, because your skin loses a lot of uh, hydration when you take out of planes. It's not nowadays, but uh, hopefully soon. You know what I mean? It's like more to start from a center of interest rather than to push the brand uh, that like uh, the brands they have done uh, in the past. Yeah. I and guess. around it to build your communities. Like think about uh, beauty brands or uh, the more digital ones. They have started uh, and they succeed uh, creating community and creating uh, like this engagement uh, with the end consumer starting from a uh, an interest rather than the push immediately the brand. Yeah, I think definitely some really, really important points here, specifically on working with someone that is actually a consumer of your product. Like uh, if it's a surfer that uses the sunscreen or if it's uh, someone that travels and actually uses that product and not really working with people that are have a large following but don't really use the product, then it feels like TV advertising, it feels like there's a post here about this and there's a post here about that. It's different posts, different products. It's not really focused within a certain... A good a example, certain... i sorry to interrupt you. A good example of that is uh, yoga. Okay, During the crisis, all the people started to do yoga at home because uh, the people uh, needed to relax. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, it's funny because at the end, uh, uh, the way to, to build communities around, like, uh, for example, the teachers. 
uh, it's not like a beauty influencer that yeah. is pushing the you know the pose with a nice posture and it's like building community around people they have the same interest I'm a fan of yoga and I'm doing yoga every day and, and I was surprised and uh, because I, I was saying like wow there is a lot of people they are like a recommended uh, yoga but whatever mat and top and legging and it's more around people they are talking about okay I have a, a, a same interest and uh, they are recommending the products they are using and, and because that, they think they are the best that's so powerful because it's for example doing like yoga live videos and and then like the yoga instructor actually recommending you a certain product then you actually have your audience even though it's a lot smaller audience that's watching the live video but they're going to engage and they're going to buy the product because it's something that they use i was just super curious here and i'm sure our audience uh, will be as well as you're talking about you know influencer marketing and cover and uh, you have been uh, in so many different markets, you know, working with different uh, cultural, different cultural voices. Tell us here yeah. secrets, or not secrets, I don't say secrets, but tell us something uh, about, from your point of view, the difference that you saw working from influencers from different markets and how that point of differentiation comes. Is that, because I like we as a global agent, we work with different brands, creating campaigns from different markets, right? And then we know each influencer, they do behave different, they work different. So I'd love to hear from your perspective, from your experience, you know, key elements, key secrets, you know, that you have found working with so many different markets? Um, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about Colombia and the Nordics because uh, it's where I work the most. Uh, um, for example, the first thing I always challenge my teams is uh, about, okay, you have this uh, pipe of influencers to do this campaign and then uh, you need always to check uh, what is the composition of the audiences? Because now influencers are worldwide. I mean, China, well, no, in China, sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, Colombia or in the US or in the Northeast, I can follow an influencer in UK. This is uh, the first thing. The, se the second thing is just to understand the maturity uh, of uh, your market in terms of influencer marketing. And I give you an example. I was shocked. Uh, the Nordics, um, like uh, when we think about the novice, we think of, about those guys that are up north. Okay, I've been living two years in Copenhagen and I loved it. Um, and uh, the influencer marketing, influencer market, it was like completely different. It, uh, like Swedish was really developed, and uh, to really work with them, uh, it was like. Uh, not, I will not say easy, but uh, it was always like it was, it was the, the job, okay? And then uh, it used to be like paid. Uh, well, while uh, Finland, it was super small and not that many. And uh, you could manage to do some exchange with them and to build a relationship more in a long term because they, they were interested on. Uh, Denmark is not that developed. I'm not time to almost one year and a half ago. 
and uh, Norway was in between Sweden and uh, Denmark. Think about like when you are Swedish, Finnish, uh, or Danish, uh, you follow more or less the same uh, influences because even if they don't they don't write the post on uh, in English, you can not to Finnish, but you can more or less to read. Yeah. Uh, the different languages because they are very close uh, and the markets they were completely different and the end is a question of how you balance between the, the influences they are going to give you rich and maybe they are going to cost you a little bit more with or, or more uh, other influences they are more micro but uh, they are going to complete the profiles and um, they are going to give you another uh, extra audience uh, for example, in Colombia, was uh, when I was like uh, four years ago, uh, it was really starting. There were like uh, not that many. And then when you were looking into the Colombian consumer, the Colombian consumer is following uh, Brazilians, uh, Mexicans, a lot of US influencers. And then it's like, where is the limit? Okay, I should touch uh, an American uh, influencer. We had... Um, uh, one Colombian makeup artist, uh, Laura Makeup, a very good one. She was based in U.S. with a huge amount of uh, American uh, followers, U.S. followers, uh, and not that many in Colombia. And then uh, the headquarters, they were like pushing us to uh, make a relationship with, with her. And we were like, okay, yeah, she's Colombian, but it doesn't mean that she has that many followers in Colombia. Uh, that's super important because when it comes to influencer marketing, there is no limits. And sometimes you find someone like in the other side of the world that uh, is influencing a lot uh, your market. That demographic aspect is uh, sometimes is, it, it, it's very curious because uh, we face the same challenge here. Uh, so we have campaigns, for example, in France, uh, and then we would do the procurement, right, to look for that influencer group that will represent and participate on the campaign. And sometimes we go like, oh my God, we found the perfect French influencer. He is going to be amazing. And then we go to look at the demographic. French, France is not the key market of the influencer when it comes to demographics. So that influencer we have, you know, 44%, you know, of demographic in the US, for example, and then only 7% in France and the campaign needs to target the French market. And we go like, oh no, because sometimes we assume and a lot of brands assume the same. Okay, no, she's based in the US. So I'm sure she's huge in the US, but then you look at the demographic and sometimes to be based in the market does not necessarily mean your audience is there, right? Um, yeah. That's why because it's really important to, to analyze numbers before contracting influencers. Yeah, you know, like I remember one conversation many years ago, like about the, um, the Chinese girl, they want to, they're, they're like um, stereotype of beauty is the French uh, women. For the French women, is Italian. Uh, for, or, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like your stereotype of beauty or your stereotype in certain, like, uh, 
for example, I surf, like, you, you, could, you can think like, okay, if I need to follow someone, I need to follow someone in uh, Australia. And no, you have a lot of uh, good surfers in Spain, for example, or in France. But like, um, <clears throat> sometimes we are like uh, quite, uh, I say like, uh, um, we stick into the demographics, not thinking like, uh, like internet doesn't have like barriers. And it's more like to understand what are the audiences, which kind of content is engaging this person, and what is the kind of, okay, the positioning of this influencer. Because um, sometimes uh, they have a lot of followers, but uh, at the end, when you look into the, you know, the content they are uploading, doesn't have that much consistency or a story behind. I, I truly believe that the influencers are going to survive are the, the influencers they are really uh, run by a passion. Uh, uh, they have a really, truly uh, positioning on their Instagrams. Like uh, the guys, they are eating food in different restaurants and recommending the restaurants and uh, all is around food. Uh, they are be going to be more genuine than the, the one is, uh, one day is travel, one day is uh, food, one day is water, one day is uh, beauty products. Because at the end, like a consumers, you engage with the people that they, they, you, you feed and you feel they are genuine. And it's the same with the brands. Huh? I truly believe that the, uh, the future that is uh, uh, for the brands, they are really uh, betting on a purpose and they go like uh, for it and they communicate. Not the ones that are in between, I'm doing this, but uh, I'm doing that. Uh, the people don't believe anymore because the people search a lot. And there is a lot of brands uh, with a lot of uh, different products. Uh, it's not anymore that uh, you need to go out and to, to buy a Sony Walkman. Do you remember from the 80s? <laughs> because it was the one that you could find in the market. But at least I'm in Spanish, okay? Uh, we were like... Um, a little bit behind uh, compared to other countries in Europe. But it's like nowadays, there is, first of all, internet, and there is a lot of products. And even you can buy outside Europe. Absolutely. You pay taxes, but you can buy outside Europe. It's not like uh, there is not anymore any barrier. Taking to your point about purpose, let's talk about purpose, sustainability, skincare. What's yeah. Well, uh, a lot of topics. I think it's not only skincare. It's like uh, what COVID has done is to accelerate a lot of trends. We had like, uh, they were coming the last fi five years. Okay. One of it is sustainability. Uh, and uh, I think nowadays the consumer is becoming more and more aware of what they're consuming. I think that, that started with food. Like, okay, gluten-free, lactose-free, et cetera, et cetera. And the people are becoming more and more experts. And then they are like thinking about, okay, one thing is what I'm eating. One thing is what I'm putting on my skin. And, the, and I think it's, uh, at least for me, it's the same relationship. Like the food is like, since I have a very sensitive skin, like I need to take care of what I'm putting on my skin. And uh, this, and the, the fact that we are wearing masks, uh, the people with the pandemic, they become more like uh, aware of the urban aggressions. 
they are looking into, okay, what kind of products I can use that is not going to damage my skin or is not is is is, is good uh, for my skin, because have uh, the, the brand ha the the product has uh, natural ingredients, because uh, they have a uh, environmental commitment, and then okay, it's good for me, it's good it's good for the environment, uh, and that is coming super fast. And uh, not only in beauty, yeah. I really believe that the fast fashion, uh, they need to really rethink uh, what is going to be their business model in the future because the people that are not going to buy that many clothes, clothes but I never know how to say that word. <laughs> fashion, like uh, it was, uh, because they are concerned about, okay, I have a lot of stuff at home, what I'm going to do with. And the same with the packagings, are they recyclable or not? Uh, the same um, with uh, the ingredients, are good uh, for earth, are good for, for water. If I put a sunscreen that is damaging the oceans, it's good for me. You know what I mean? This is a, a, a really, I uh, think, uh, come back to the earth uh, on the behavior of the, of the consumers. They are more aware, okay, guys, we are facing this. The nature is saying us all something. In all the social listenings, we are seeing that the people are more and more concerned and, uh, and it's coming fast. And the brands, uh, they're looking into uh, different uh, angles uh, because not uh, one size uh, fits all. Uh, but I think if you're not in, uh, you're out of the game. Yeah, I think the challenge for brands will be to go into sustainability, but going in a very genuine way, right. right? Because I think, as you said, now the sentiment analysts are out there. We have understood that consumers, they now more than ever concern about what they eat, about what they use on their skin, about you know the importance of exercise. I think wellness has never been so important as it is now. But I think when it comes to even with the fashion brands, as you mentioned, it's it's like all right. So the consumer behavior has changed, and we you know as a brand, we have to change as well in order to to serve right this new consumer, this new you know. Uh, uh, especially the, the youngers, right? The Gen Zers and also even the millennials. We are all more, you know, aware of what we buy and how we live. But the challenge, uh, my point of view is, is like, how can brands type into sustainability, but in a way that is true because the, 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 it has to be true. You know, brands cannot just jumping into it because it's a trend. It, genuine, it should be genuine, no? Yeah. If not the people that they, they don't trust you, and, and it's not easy because the way it's understood sustainability depends on the countries. For some countries, it's more into, okay, you have a natural ingredient, you are sustainable. For other countries, it's more, okay, about clean formulas, it's about uh, recycled packaging. Uh, it's, not an, it's, it's not an easy subject for the brands. And then since... Uh, needs to be genuine. Uh, 
you have like a, okay, the, the big brands, like they have been in the market for 30, 40, 50 years, it's from one day to another to, 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 to evolve their brand. And it's, 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 not, uh, it's not obvious the way that each brand needs to do it uh, to evolve their purpose in a genuine way to fit the consumer, like, uh, no, I will not say needs, but um, expectations. Absolutely. And how to convey that into a content as well, right? Because it's all about how do I convey that I am a brand that is looking to sustainability, that you know, is worried about, you know, climate change or, you know, like, you know, any, any topic that is regarded to sustainability, how to convey that in a message that can pass your values and through your values, you can get the consideration, right? Because I, more than ever, consumers are buying to brand values, what's your purpose? And then from there, I will do a research, I will understand, review, sentiment analysis, and then I will consider it to become, you know, a potential consumer to your brand. So interesting, interesting times. I think we could stay here forever talking. We, you know, like it's also so good to, you know, to talk and get in contact uh, of this industry that is so fascinating, which is influence the marketing, sustainability, content. Uh, but to end it here, I would love to, 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 to end uh, our podcast today asking uh, you what's the future of beauty and what that future means for beauty when it comes to influencer marketing? Well, um, I think uh, we're going to move from, a, a, um, I say, um, from, content, from content, like as it is to culture, that some fashion brands, they started some years ago, uh, is going to be more genuine uh, because if not, the consumer is not going to engage at all. I think what we have experienced as well as is like an over, uh, um, like uh, how to say, over information. We have been like thick to our screens since the COVID started. Huh? <sighs> or Netflix or, inf- or Instagram because we were bored. Uh, with nothing to do at home, like uh, here in Paris, the restaurants has been closed since uh, October, and um, the people really are looking for genuine brands. They are looking for consistent brands, and this is super important because they can look into your brand from other uh, side of the world. It doesn't mean that you need to like take the values of your brand and then to adapt to a local level in order to, 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 to resonate to your end consumer. Uh, but at the end, it's, it's all about consistency. You cannot see two different brands in uh, two different uh, countries or even uh, zones. And uh, it's going to move uh, more into, you know, culture rather than, the, okay, this is a visual and that's all. And you're going to see that like in fashion, because fashion, they were like uh, Louis Vuitton, for example, have been done doing this for a, a long time. Uh, they did a collaboration with NBA, uh, which was like, okay, wow. Or uh, 
Nike, they have done a collaboration with Dior or Converse. Uh, you, you, it's like how I can make with some collaborations those icons, they can leave a footprint in the culture of the brand. That's, I think, more the challenge of uh, the brands when it comes to influencer marketing and which or who is going to be their, in French, say, porte-parole, the ambassador of uh, it that really suits yeah. to the, the culture, the brand purpose of the brand that really is going to engage with the audiences. Could not agree more. I didn't <laughs> about to you, Alex, but uh, just uh, on point, uh, everything you said, uh, I sign off. So I, I, I truly believe in everything you said and agree that this is definitely the direction that we will see, not just the beauty industry, but again, as you said, the fashion industry, you know, not the hospitality industry. So I think it's it's all about, you know, uh, how to, to get your ambassador, but just making sure that influencers is not just to post a picture about your product, but working with culture voices that we're gonna get the relevance to a subject and getting, you know, to their voices, show the purpose and the value of the brand. How important to work with names that really create that impact, create that culture impact and really like, resonate with the brand that it's a right fit exactly as you said so i couldn't agree more with uh, all the points that you mentioned and as any, it's not an easy one from a brand perspective huh? because the world has changed so much the last year and it's going to change the, the coming few years uh, it's about to your ability to observe adapt observe adapt constantly it's to your point at the beginning of this podcast it's all about to be agile how can you be agile in a world that is constantly changing? That's the, it, it, it is the, the big challenge. And we know that the world is not going to become as it was before pandemic. And it's all unknown at the moment. We don't know what's going to be next. So it's all about, you know, be agile, be attentive, and making sure that your brand, your product is with conveying in a you know in a content that it it has a meaning it has a purpose and uh, and have the right voice to to represent so interesting times ahead mm -hmm. uh, for all of us but Elvira thank you so much for your time and for having been here with us today on our influencer marketing over podcast powered by MG Power. Grateful conversation and thank you so much for uh, for your time and uh, we could not wish you more the best and thank you so much for being here with us today. And thank you for the opportunity. You're more than welcome. For everyone that's listening to us today, thank you so much for being here. Stay tuned for our next episode. We are so delighted that every episode we have some amazing guests that is talking everything about influencer marketing from different perspectives. Hope you have enjoyed this conversation today. Tune in for our next episode and thank you so much. And don't forget to subscribe and listen to our episodes. Yes, Alex. Thank you so much for the reminder. Thank you so much, everyone. See you later. Thank you.